felt great. Ran a 113 off the bike, like felt, and I was like, okay. And so haven't looked back. And and then I started to notice like, okay, what body change, my digestive system just felt better. I just, it was just a cleaner way to eat. And I, as I said, I've got a, 12, a two month, two, two year old son. Most of the time he sleeps through the night, but I'm not sleeping as much as I used to. I don't get to nap anymore. I just, like, I'm not getting as much sleep, but my quality of sleep has definitely improved. Uh, I wake up and, yeah, the three-step test, I, like, I'm not sore first thing in the morning. Like, I can do a really hard quality run, like a 90-minute run with 30 minutes of hard hill running and running back down the hill, and my legs are fine the next day. Like, I'm doing high-quality efforts on the bike, and... And they're the, they're the things I'm noticing now when I've actually get a second to just take a step back and look. And it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, but my body just... Dairy's an easy option because it's there and it's how we grew up. I grew up, yeah, you should drink like three glasses of milk a day. I don't know. But like I used to drink a lot of milk and cheese. And, yeah, and I'm like, how did I do that? All right, welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I am Jess, your host, and I'm here with Coach BJ and longtime triathlete. Do they still call you Smoking Joe? Um, I'm going to call you Smoking Joe. <laughs> Some people do. I'm my, my best friend gave me that nickname, and it's sort like of stuck. It. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Smoking Joe gambles, and uh, we're all just coming off, and actually, I think still very much in the Ironman 70.3 Oceanside vibe. You know, I want to jump off. This conversation, talking about your experience yesterday, because as competitors, we have a lot of triathletes, ultra runners, marathoners that listen to this podcast, and we all know that like we can plan, we can execute the training, we can show up on race day, we can visualize the day as much as we want, but there's still going to be that unknown and the factors of race day that are going to unfold, and we're not going to know about them until it's happening. And so yesterday... I would say did not go as you had planned. And so, you know, welcome to the show. Right, thank you. Yeah, let's just dive in there. How did, what happened yesterday? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it's funny. It's the first time I've turned up to Oceanside in the last few years, healthy, fit, and race ready. And yeah, after a, a great swim, um, finally an ocean swim at Oceanside, which was great. Beach start and uh, some surf to contend with. Had a great swim, got out exactly where I needed to be. Um, not at the very front, but in the main group with a strong pack of cyclists. Uh, jumped on the bike and pretty much flattered straight away. And yeah, I don't know what happened, but I don't know, hit something. Brand new tires, brand new tubes, and just it was just bad luck. And so yeah, by the time I uh, got that fixed, I was um, pretty much at the end of the women's pro field. So I was like, well, I've come all this way, and uh, it's a beautiful bike course, and I'll just use it as a training day because. Yeah, why not? And I had no intention of ever running the whole thing because I'm actually racing again next weekend in Australia. So there's no point putting um, 30 miles in my legs, especially on a hard course such as Oceanside. So yeah, I just in, in try to enjoy myself, relax, try and yeah use it as a, tra- as a hard training day and a good hit out. Um, so that's what I did. It was hard, a little bit hard to get my head around, but yeah, I f- actually, f- I felt great. And that's the frustrating thing that I felt like I was ready for a really good day. And uh, but it didn't happen. That's racing. I've been racing many, many years. And I think that's only my second flat tie ever. So I've been pretty fortunate. Yeah. So. And, and like we said, we saw, I saw at least a handful of people getting a flat in that exact spot. And so I had 
come around the corner because I wanted to be in that spot seeing everybody come out of the transition. And I saw you, I saw an athlete on the ground, but then there was a, a motorbike, like a moped in front of you. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, I hope that, that at this point I didn't know it was you. Yeah. I hope that athlete like, didn't, you know, didn't get hit. And then as I got closer, I was like, oh, it's Joe. <laughs> and I just didn't want to be seeing you contending with this. And I so, didn't want to be I know with you it. didn't. And it was, and it was interesting because I, sta- I was standing like right there. And there was somebody who was next to me who obviously knew you really well. And he said, he said, Joe, are you okay? And you were like, no, I don't, I don't know. And you, I could just see this, like there was this, the mental conflict that was happening. And he said, well, just take a couple breaths and, uh, and you know, and, and make your decision. And you said, well, maybe I'll just save it for next weekend. He said, you know, Joe, there's always something left. And you just got your shoe back on and you got on your bike and off you went. went, So how, like you said, it took a little bit to get your head wrapped around it because we've got this preference, this like, we don't want that to be happening on race day. Mm -hmm. So how do you reset? Like, how did you reset yesterday? Yeah, well, that's funny. If I, if there was one person that... I'd want to be there to tell me that it's that guy. And that's actually Lawrence Van Lingen, who's my bodywork guy, who's the reason I'm probably still racing. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, he was so calm. Oh, that and is Lawrence. Yeah. Like if you follow here, like you have to follow him. Um, I think Lawrence Van Lingen, I think it's in, in a runner. He's actually, cool. and he does these amazing, he lives in Laguna Beach. And right now he's doing these amazing Instagram stories, which I watch when I'm on the trainer, when it's snowing outside in Boulder. And he's walking on the beach just talking about yeah, breathing and connecting and uh, yeah. And yeah, he's the guy that I saw just before the race for a tune-up and I'm seeing him again tomorrow on my way um, out of uh, California. And yeah, and it's funny. We That's what we did when I – half the session on Thursday before I drove down to Oceanside was about breathing and staying relaxed and connecting – um, from yeah, your breathing um, to like from your head head to your foot and keeping that connection um, and staying relaxed and fluid on the bike and not tensing up. So yeah, that's what, and that's what I went with, and that got me really quickly back into the right mindset. I'm like, okay, no, this is I've got 56 miles to practice um, without the pressure of actually going for the win. Um, what I want to do in a race situation, I always said this season I needed a a race, a hit out before Oceanside or a, a blowout race where I could just practice. And yeah, I, I didn't really want it to be Oceanside as my practice, but that's how it worked out. And I think it'll actually serve me well for the next races that are coming up. And there's, and there's always another race. There's, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that um, it was only a flat tire like Sam Appleton broke a collarbone yesterday so yeah no, it's gonna say it's, it, there's worse things that can happen like i in the end i just well, okay just get through this in one piece and especially after i saw sam on the ground with a broken collarbone halfway through the bike i'm like yeah this is it's yeah just get through safely and use it as a good training day and and it allowed you to actually be in service of sam because you stopped yeah yeah stop of course <laughs> yeah he's one of my closest friends in boulder we spend a lot of time together and um yeah i felt awful for him but yeah, he he had a lot of support. The paramedics were there very quickly, and um, two of our friends were like one of the fir- first people on scene, and they just yeah told me what had happened, and I stopped. It was actually Talbot Cox was one of them, and uh, Mark Andrews from Trek. So, and uh, they're like, oh, he's fine, he's alright, he's just yeah. But I think he's done a collarbone. And I'm like, oh, 
I should probably keep riding, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I was there a couple of minutes, but it was it was good to know that Sam was, yeah, going to be okay. Yeah, he was going to be okay. Yeah. So I, lo- I, so I love this guy. Like even when I heard him talking yesterday and I could feel like his his peace, like he's got this, got this foundation of calm. And I was standing right next to him just observing the whole thing. What have you learned from connecting to the breath? That I'm not very good at breathing. I found, but you can quickly reteach yourself. Uh, and it was amazing just breathing correctly. Really just, it's amazing what release you can get in your thoracic spine through your chest. And that translates to the whole kinetic chain down to how your feet connect with the ground. So it's, it's pretty amazing. And Lawrence, yeah, this, he's helped. I'm not going to name names, but like so many athletes over the I think last. We need to get Lawrence on yeah, the we podcast. Have to, yeah. <laughs> oh, you have, How long have you been working? It's made, um, f- probably four years now. Yeah. Um, and did it come from an injury or what? Uh, yeah. Um, he comes out to Boulder a handful of times a year, and I was told by a good friend of mine, Julie Dibbins, who was the first one to connect with him. Oh, you should see this guy. He's amazing. And she couldn't explain exactly what he did, but you, you just need to see him. And, I'm, and it's true. I can't explain what he does. He's just got, some, he's got a gift. And yeah, I've spent a lot of time and I think probably at least twice he's probably saved hmm. me from probably exiting the sport, especially when I hurt my Achilles for the like third time. Uh, I went over, that was 2016, I think. I went over to support uh, my athlete, Heather Jackson, and I couldn't run a step. And Lawrence was out there um, and he said, look, let's do work together like an hour or so every day and let's just see if we can get this ironed out. So I went from not being able to put my foot on the ground pretty much, even walking was painful, to after three days of working, I was running barefoot on a treadmill to then the day after Kona, I ran an hour on a leaky drive, pain-free. And then three weeks later, I did Ironman. No, five weeks later, I did Ironman Arizona, and I yeah, and I hadn't run a step since seventy point three worlds in Australia because I really messed myself up. Um, so yeah, so and I've had a few rela- few issues come up, and yeah, um, but yeah, it's I'm undoing a lot of bad habits of many years of abuse on my body from yeah, not moving correctly or over overcompensating. Um, overtraining yeah i've been doing this i'm 37 i did my first triathlon when i was 12 and i ran before that so so yeah. things are going to come up in, the, yeah, in that span of time but i you just you just hit upon something which i think is so important uh, i was talking to a pt the other day here in in carlsbad about this too it's like sometimes we get these places in our body like oh my right hip oh my left ankle whatever my achilles and it becomes a part of our story. And it's almost like this acceptability that you're, you're going to have this thing that's going to hold you back. But like you said, you can undo and unravel these patterns and mm-hmm. kind of get yourself like I'm definitely when, when something comes up, I'm like, okay, good. Like I'm going to heal this forever. Mm-hmm. Like this yeah. is going to be a forever healing, not just getting me through this next race, but yeah. you know, and whatever that takes, sometimes it takes years. Sometimes yeah, it's pretty having, quick. having a long-term perspective is definitely the right way to go about it. Yeah, when I came back from um, my Achilles injury, I I think spent every day for a year, I'd have like a 30-minute routine that i do. Like I had inflexible weak feet, basically, from put it, being put in orthotics from when I was like a teenager and I relied on them as a crutch. And 
yeah, it, it just, I had to, to change, change this if I wanted to, one, continue to race and two, be able to go and kick the soccer ball with my son, like when I'm like in my 40s, like, because at that time I was like, I, yeah, I couldn't really like step off a, yeah, step down off of anything without being a little bit unsure whether my Achilles was going to like, yeah, play and, up. And it's hard at yeah. that point to imagine a life where you don't have that. Yeah, right? I know. But your son, that's me. And I've heard that before from, from athletes or people who make lifestyle changes, you know, that maybe aren't athletes that like they have a child and they're like, oh, wait a minute, like <laughs> this little dude's going to be super active and I want to be active with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I, and I mentioned here before we started the podcast, I'm like, I, I don't want to get to the point where I have to quit this ball. I want to leave like when I'm still healthy and I haven't done long-term damage to my body. I'm still in pretty good, pretty good shape. You're still yeah. smoking, Joe. <laughs> You're still smoking, Joe. Look, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I don't recover like I used to, that's for sure. Um, like little things that probably I get now in my late 20s, I, they just disappear. They just go away because, yeah, you'd like, you're 20, but... It's funny, one of my close friends, he said, wait till you get to 30. Yeah, and that was my, when I was 30, I had my first real injury. Yeah. Um, and he was right, yeah, it just, yeah. And he'd like, wait till you have to do the three, the three um, step test out of bed. That's when you know if it's going to be a good day or a bad day. <laughs> he'd like, the first, you know how your body is in the first step, three steps out of bed. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, it's going to be rough. Yep, yep, <laughs> or you're like, oh, okay, maybe I can run today. <laughs> I think I felt those three steps this morning. I'm just standing too. on concrete all day yesterday <laughs> yeah, yeah. at the race. Um, I was listening to a podcast with you and you were talking about, you and Crow, you were talking and Crow was like, well, when you get to be our age and you're like, dude, I'm like 10 years younger than you. <laughs> I, I know, but now I'm in that category I'm, I'm a veteran of the sport which i don't know when that happened yeah but uh you've been racing for a long I have, time yeah but yeah and now you're seeing like these ben canutes and eric mm. Lagerstrom's. i mean these guys coming up from itu mm-hmm. it's amazing like from from my perspective just seeing you know the bar was already being raised and mm-hmm. pushed and all of that in the pace but these guys, like, my God, watching Ben Canute run yesterday, you know, what, which was his perceived weakness, and being out there and just crushing the course. But being able to bounce back and forth. Like, he's still got his toes in he is ITU, so he's, like, yeah. back and forth, back and forth, and he's being successful at both. But that's what you need to be at the top of the 70.3 game now. You, you need that speed. You need to really come from ITU. When you've got guys like Rudy Wild, Rudy Von Berg, um, not losing 80 seconds in the swim, that means it was a fast swim. Like, we got Canute and Appleton and Lagstrom and Dylan McNeese. Dylan McNeese used to lead swims by himself. Now he, I think he was out like third or fourth yesterday. Mm-hmm. That means it was a really hard and Taylor swim. Reed, he's coming up from mm-hmm. ITU and he had a... Yeah. Well, he was, he was even behind me. Yeah, but like in the swim, like it's just crazy. Like the swim level um, just keeps going up and up. I left ITU because I was like, I'm never going to be a good enough swimmer. And I went to 70.3. I'm like, okay, this is a little better. Uh, but now it's back to, it's getting, when well, you got Gomez stepping up and Brownlee and... And uh, Blumenfeld and yeah, all these guys, you're like, okay. How far, how far has that changed? So you were in ITU. How far has it changed that you see now? Like there's almost like, it's like a team aspect too with like the Norwegians. Like mm. they're just, 
every all three of those guys are like hammers yeah so how has that changed since since you were in? oh well it's a long time since i did a <laughs> itu draft legal race but oh yeah it's so different like if i was swimming like i am now back then i would have been out exactly where i needed to be i probably would have been one of the stronger riders but i'd probably still wouldn't have had quite the run speed but now those, those guys are amazing and they train like the reason they step up so easily from that distance to 70.3 is their training is like volume is as much as 70.3 and and uh yeah they just they do enough aerobic work and long rides and long runs and they've just got these amazing biomechanics that yeah they step up no problem and their their top end training is so fine-tuned that adding in a little bit of distance is not no, it's, yeah, definitely. So it's the, would you say it's like, it's when somebody's going, so ITU or just, um, you know, your average Joe who's been, you know, pretty successful in, in, in Olympic distance going up to 70.3, would you say that that intensity, that top end training is pretty key to continue as opposed to being like, oh, well now I need endurance. So I'm just going to go out and do a lot of math pace stuff. And yeah. I think that was maybe what people used to do, but I think with the way the sport's going, even at Ironman, People were going back to like, okay, I need to do some really high intensity work. Like if you want to be off the bike towards the front in Kona, you need to be able to ride really fast. And it's quite dynamic, that race, especially at the start. Like there's a lot of surges where you're going over threshold, under threshold. And it's if you're, not, if you're used to just riding steady state for four and a half hours, you're out the back door before you get past the airport. Um, so yeah, it's... The IT, it's changing so quickly. And that's why guys like, that have that background are dominating the sport now. And I think I, we're seeing that also, BJ, you being a top age grouper, are seeing that at your level at, at, at your level as well, you know, in the age group level, that training that top end as well as recovering really well so that you can adapt that, stay healthy, mm-hmm. that it's not just about the run anymore. Like, you got to be a strong swimmer. You got to be a strong biker. You got to be strong in all three disciplines. Definitely. Yeah, the run, I don't think in, the, in the, the pro level, the run, apart from like Jan's run, 70.3 Worlds last year, and Lang obviously is getting faster and faster on the run in Kona, the run hasn't got that much faster. The bike is crazy now. Like what the with Camworth and, yep. and like uh, even Lionel when he's on his best ride, like the guys are just riding like they would over 70.3, but just doing it twice and then running a marathon in 250 odds. It's, it's pretty crazy. And that just screams bike fitness because you have to be strong on the bike to be able to run those paces. Well, yeah, you need, you need a big engine and the only way you're going to do that is high intensity um, training. And it's, yeah, as you said, coming back to the age group level, it's, it's more time efficient. Like you can yeah get mm-hmm. like, Prep my prep for Oceanside for the last 12 weeks. My bike pretty much hasn't left the trainer and my longest ride has been three hours. Like, but yeah, it's, but you're getting so much cross benefit from the long runs or like you still train it. Like I still do a day where I'm doing six hours, but there's a lot of quality in there. And uh, I think when you get closer to it, you still need to do the aerobic work. But for 70.3, it's, You've got to be you've got to be fast, or you're not going to be anywhere near the front. Yeah, Lionel, back to Lionel, because that's where he, you know, he's so public mm-hmm. about his training. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. talking about going back to his Olympic, like the training for Olympic distance, mm-hmm. getting that high intensity, short burst stuff, thirty seconds, minute stuff, and build that all now. And then as you get closer to the Ironman, mm-hmm. sprinkle in that 
Yeah, that I don't think you need as much as you think, and especially if you've been in the sport a long time. And that going back to when um, I was talking to Crowey, I just went for a ride with him in Kona last year, um, and it was so interesting to talk to him. Like he's like, oh, you, I'm only training 15 hours a week, um, but he's racing 70.3 as nearly as well as he ever has. But he's got such a foundation, such a base there of aerobic fitness um, that. Yeah, he will like just top that up every now and then. He might. He said he'd go for a long ride. I don't know. He might be talking it down a little bit, but like once a month, he'll go for a four-hour bike ride or something. Or, but a lot of it is getting on Swift. He's got three kids, wife. Like he's got a lot of coaching company. He's got a lot of sponsor commitments, so he doesn't get as much time um, unless he goes away and on a training camp to put those hours in. But. I don't think he needs to at this point. It's, yeah, he's still relevant. I'm a, yeah. I think people need to hear that though. Like you don't have to, I feel, because we're in the coaching world too, it's, they look, they're looking for the numbers. They're looking for how much, you know, I did 20 hours or 25 hours this week. and It's what you do in those what, 20 hours. Those 20 yeah, hours, right. So 15, 10 or 15 hours of quality, quality work yeah. can still get you to the same place. Yeah, and especially, as I said, if you've got, <laughs> look, I think there's a place for it if you're starting out, like, you do need that aerobic foundation. Like if you don't have that, if you don't have a background in aerobic sport, if you weren't a runner or a cyclist or a swimmer, then you pro- there is a place for that. But if you've got like a few, like five, six years behind you of that sort of background, it's, I think it's more about the quality um, and just make, trying to maintain that aerobic fitness. And cause yeah, it, it wears you, wears you down and then you can't hit the quality that you need to do mm-hmm. to actually get faster. So it's finding that balance and it's different for everyone. And, and you're going to, you're, let's face it, like we're all going to fail at some point, right? And you've done it yourself. You've overtrained, you've mm-hmm. probably undertrained, like you've been injured, you've come back and all of these things. Um, and then I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your athlete, Heather, mm-hmm. who, you know, you've known Heather for a long time and you are always planning on going into coaching and perhaps this entered in maybe a little bit earlier than you thought you were going to start coaching. Um, but I love that because that's just how the universe works, mm-hmm. right? You just keep all channels open. And of course, bringing on somebody like Heather is, that's pretty exciting athlete to have. And so, you know, she's, she's got longevity in the sport like you do, and she is still just crushing it out there. So when you took her on, how, what did you see in what she was doing and how, what did you think that, you know, you could bring to her equation? Yeah, that was, um, yeah, I was really fortunate to start working with Heather and it was just by coincidence. I was just visiting, um, I was in Bend, Oregon, actually, when I was injured with my Achilles and before I met Lawrence, um, I went to see another physio called Jay, um, um, running rewired is his book. Jay to Sherry, I think to I'm not sure how you say his last name. Anyway, very, we'll find him and put him in the show notes. No, he's very, very well known. Um, physio that, um, has helped a lot of athletes. Um, so I went and saw him and while I was there, I was catching up with Heather and Waddy and got chatting with Heather and, um, yeah, she was a First time I'd ever spoken to her, and she seemed a little lost and not motivated. It was the end of January, I think, and normally by then she's like, "Right, Oceanside's coming up," and she's like, "Yeah, no, nah. she just didn't seem to have that." And she was, she's like, oh, "I just feel like I'm doing what I did last year, and my sweet, I lost 11 minutes." Well, it was the year after she got fifth in Kona, she lost 11 minutes in the swim, and I'm just doing the same swim workouts, and I, I just. I need something and um, 
And I was like, yeah, I just, I just chatted to her. I don't, don't think I suggested anything. I said, maybe I told her what maybe I'd tried or what worked for me to improve my swim a little bit. I get a message later that day from her husband, Waddy, um, Sean, and I'd, how, how do you feel about talk, coming over this afternoon and uh, chatting to us about potentially coaching Heather? I'm like, oh, I wasn't expecting that text. And anyway, yeah, I went over and yeah, we started working together a few days later and it was just a few, there was some gaps in her training that I saw that uh, I think if we filled, she could get a really big boost. And she'd always been a great rider, but her bike had definitely dropped off a fair bit. Her, her run had improved out of sight and her coach at the time, Cliff English, had done amazing work with her on her run. But her bike, it's great to get it to that level, but you also need to maintain your bike when you swim. Because you got to be fit on the bike. Yeah, so her swim yeah. and bike had dropped off. Well, maybe not her swim and stayed the same. Her bike had dropped off, but her run had improved. So all we did for that first year was try and maintain that run and bring her bike back up and very quickly just changing her training, her the type of work she was doing um, on the bike. She was pushing, she was riding really, really well again. And it only took probably eight to ten weeks. Uh, and the swim, and it was more with a swim, just giving her something new to focus on, some new train, new programs, some new technical cues, like something to just, yeah, give us a focus. And yeah, and obviously we're still working on things, still tweaking things. Things have gone pretty smoothly. Kona last year obviously wasn't great. Still figuring out probably what went wrong there, but she turned it around really quickly and then went and destroyed Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and we've definitely done very different training this year. Uh, and her run, I think, has taken a, a step up. I think a lot of people have come up to me and commented on how good she looked running yesterday. Like she just had, she looked different. And I agree. And we have, and we've definitely changed a few things with her run program. If you try and improve everything at once, it's a little difficult. Where So the run's been a little, a little bit more of a focus. The bike, like, she rode as well as she has ever at 70.3 yesterday. It's just Daniela was there and Holly was there and Paula and Ellie. And, well, they're the four best 70.3 athletes going around right now pretty much, apart from maybe um, Jeannie Seymour and, um, yeah, uh, yeah, Lucy yeah. Charles. Like, there's, like, that, that was a world-class field right there. And Heather did it off the back of not a really crazy specific preparation so but coming off of Kona last year so she didn't have the performance um but then went and you know her words best race she's ever had in Arizona she said that right yeah like she it told me that <laughs> <laughs> well just in that just in the in the quick Mike Riley post okay. interview she was saying like yeah. it was the best performance and in people that we know in the industry pros you know saying you know it, it was the best um it was the best performance she's ever had. And Carrie Lester came in, you know, came mm-hmm. in second. You know, she yeah. had an amazing race that day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, held I off. I still can't believe she doesn't have a spot. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Held off Heather for quite some time. And then Heather was just. Half, half marathon. Yeah. Right? So yeah. what was the what was the magic? Or maybe it was just magic that happened between that Kona. I mean, she had to have been a little bit like, oh, God, that sucked. And then coming back up to the total other end and just crushing it oh. in Arizona. Yeah, it wasn't smooth between Kona and um, <laughs> Arizona. I, yeah, I let basically there was no more, no one more disappointed with Kona than Heather. Um, so we chatted briefly. I actually flew out the day after Kona, and I said, "Look, let's talk 
in four or five days. Just go relax. I said you're going to feel horrible, and then you're going to be feel good. You just it's just going to be up and down for the next. Just, that's normal because it's like grief, yeah. right? Like you're going to be pissed. Yeah. You're going to be she's, grateful. She just felt like be... she let down. Yeah. Uh, all her supporters and there's so many people that are behind Heather when she didn't like she did her best and it just didn't work out that's kind of like she's been so consistent there uh, you're gonna have a bad one eventually but yeah we we chatted maybe four or five days after the race when I was back in Boulder and I could tell she's she got her head around it she's like right yeah doing Arizona I'm like okay good all right so have another I don't want you to do another anything for another few more days because you still deny man I need and then we're going to do a week easy. And then we're going to do two weeks of specific work. And that's probably not going to go very well. <laughs> and you're going to add, but if you can hit, if you can do two good, like pretty good run workouts and two good bike workouts in that two weeks, you'll be fine. And she did, she had some, she had some bad sessions, but she, yeah, she basically did a couple of good bikes and a couple of, and, and we didn't really taper. I wanted her to, she had basically two weeks of, re, like a week off and a week of just moving. And then I think she did a two-week block, which she yeah, was up and down. And she had like maybe three days easy into the race. Like we did like a, more like a, a reverse taper because she needed to get the fatigue out of her body from the Kona training block and the race. And there was no point starting. I'd rather have had... Like she needed to know that she was a hundred percent recovered before she started doing anything. Because what I said her was pretty hard, and um, but it was only short. It was like maybe a ten day block. And yeah, we spoke the day before the race. Like she's like, oh, I'm a little bit sick, I think, but I think I'll be all right. And I'm like, oh yeah, well, let's see how you go. Like, let's uh, just roll the dice and just see how you how you go and. But I think the tactics I spoke to for like a minute, I said, do this in the swim, do this on the bike, do this on the run. And um, all right, I'll speak to you after. Because <laughs> like, I think at that point in the season, she just needs yeah. some dot points to like just focus on. She's It's been a long year. She's mentally tired. She doesn't over, want to overthink it. So I said like on the bike, I want you to do three laps on the bike, I want you to look at your power and I want you to, your last lap to be your strongest lap. Uh, and I actually, I was, um, because the Ironman commentary is, is filmed in Boulder, uh, I actually went in and did some commentary what, for the Arizona, which was, I really enjoyed actually. Uh, I didn't know how I'd go, but it was I enjoyed it. They haven't asked me back though, so maybe it didn't go very well. Um, <laughs> was that with Matt, was Matt and Didi? Uh, Matt and Didi, yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I was watching and I'm like, okay, Carrie's riding really well, she, but Heather's holding her. Okay, that's good. And then I, th- I think in the last maybe um, 30, uh, what was it? Like, it was 40 miles a lap. So yeah, maybe the last 20 miles, she pulled in like two minutes and got off the bike, I think with her in the end. I'm not sure. I can't quite remember if she actually caught her. On the, uh, yeah, on the bike. Carry, I'm like, no, no, no. She caught her on the run. Oh, yeah, she run. caught her on the run, but she got within, I think, 90 seconds or two she minutes. Of, like, yeah. yeah, She closed about three minutes in mm-hmm. the last lap. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Like, I had no idea what power she was pushing, but yeah, I, later on, I went, oh, yeah. She basically even split it, at, uh, even picked it up a little bit on that last lap. And on the run, I, I want you to do exactly, exactly, even split. And she, 
it's very hard to even split or negative split a marathon. But she was within two minutes, I think, which is the best she's ever done. She nearly broke three hours. And yeah, she was, yeah, there was, that did not go smoothly that day. She was yeah, a little bit sick and um, just had a bit of a head cold and something had, like her foot was bothering. Like she, things didn't go great, but she just, I don't know. Just she put it together. In her head. And if she didn't. It was all about, yeah. The, well, in the simplicity of what your focuses were. Yeah. I said they just broke it down like into like just a few parts on each discipline and she executed it perfectly and yeah, it was good. It was a nice way to finish the year after um, Kona and to get a spot for Kona next year and yeah, it was it was a good, it was a way, good positive way to finish off for sure. I think it started like in the framework that you set up for her too like you're gonna feel bad yeah you get you rested you're gonna feel bad you're gonna feel great you're gonna feel bad Mm -hmm. let's just see how it goes yeah yeah. i think obviously that comes from experience and knowledge which is just it's just so important to have that outside perspective like Mm -hmm. that coaching perspective to give you that feedback and to have the trust like she's got that uh, absolute trust you guys have that working relationship even before you started working together Mm -hmm. as as coach and athlete and i just think that's it's truly important to to set that framework up for the athlete. Like it's, it doesn't have to be all pressure. Look at the whole experience, like all that mind muck that's happening mm-hmm. after Kona. Like, let's give you a break. Yeah. Let's just re- like rest. Yeah. Trust in the process. Let's just, let's just see how it's going to go. Yeah. Oh, the Even, fitness was there. She, her Kona prep was like textbook. Yeah. Like, and that was the only concern I had. I, I spoke to her husband before we went out for a beer because we get more like nervous than her, I think. And um, I was like, and she's like, I'm just worried that it just it's it's too smooth. She's too relaxed, and yeah, and she had it didn't have a good Kona. Um, she didn't have a bad Kona, but it wasn't anywhere near what she'd been training. Mm-hmm. Like what she was doing in training, I'm like, okay, it's go time. And it was yeah, it was, she was was perfect. Whereas in previous years, she'd had some bad bad sessions where like, and she'd got like pushed a little hard and paid for it a few days later and. I had like we had to have a few days off, and she got a little sick, and maybe that helped her. Like it actually let her body reset a little bit. Whereas this time it was just the trajectory was mm. like it was too perfect. I think. Um, and yeah, like everything on paper said she should have oh, like just crushed it, but she, well, she should yeah she should have like swum like her, the way she was swimming. She was like knocking out two hundreds um, in like two eighteen repeat like swimming better. I'm like this is ridiculous. And then she, and I was like, like, yeah, she should have been able to ride with anyone. Like she should have at least been able to go with Daniela for the first like 40, 50 miles. Um, and then, yeah, like I was like thinking she... like, okay, a 255 marathon. Sure. Easy. Yeah. And yeah. it just didn't happen. <laughs> like off training. And she was training in Tucson in a hundred degrees. Yeah. And I went out there for 10 days and I got dropped by her every day. I was just melting. My heart rate was like 165. Just... Just going like going for an easy jog. It was. I'm like, how are you doing this? It was almost like she, she didn't. She had all the fitness, but there was something like she hadn't absorbed it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, she did for Arizona. Yeah. I think and she did yeah. for Arizona. Like she had absorbed it. And I think it goes back to how we started this conversation. It's like you can look at the data and the information all day long. You can look at the mindset all day long. But like race day comes, and you just never know how it's going to shake down. Yeah. But there's always another race, and it's like. Mm-hmm. What do you need to do now to pick yourself up and, and move forward? And so there is that trust, the trust of you as a coach. Like, 
okay, all right, trusting that this is going to maybe go okay, and her trusting you, and you yeah. guys just trusting the plan. Um, and I want to switch gears a little bit because there's another big piece of trust, and that goes around nutrition. So mm-hmm. you have been a lifelong vegetarian. Your grandparents were vegetarian. Mm-hmm. You told us your parents. Mm-hmm. But in 2018, you started to make that shift yep. to go fully, <clears throat> excuse me, fully vegan. Mm-hmm. What started it was Dottie Bausch, who's um, Olympic cyclist, oh, yeah, bronze medalist. Yeah, she's up here in LA, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, she, uh, I think Laguna Beach area. Yeah, Matt McElroy's like... talked about her yeah. too, because I think Matt's talked about. It. Is she plant based? She... Yeah, hundred percent. She's yeah an animal activist. So she so she started Compassion Champs, which is still around, but it's more of a uh, it's a website for basically for people to go to to get information. Oh, I love it. But the the new it's actually changed names now to Switch for Good. Which is actually on my race kit. Like it's, I'm an ambassador yes. for them. Love so it. it's very, it's well, it's obviously it's vegan, but it's very anti dairy. And she um, encouraged me back in January 2018 to do the plant milk challenge. Where and I was not, yeah. So basically, yeah, replace milk with whatever, lots of things, hemp milk, almond milk, oat milk, whatever you want to do, uh, and yogurt, and yeah, no cheese. And I did it. It's a 10-day challenge, and yeah, I just, I was like, yeah, of course, I'll do that. And I did a little video, and yep, yeah, and I, I did that, and I ended up going for like three weeks, maybe doing it, and I, I felt good. Um, but yeah, I, I just wasn't in the headspace to take on, like, to change my diet that much. I Because um, you're getting a lot of calories, and you're getting a lot of protein. Yeah, and I was just, we were about to, we just had a, our son was just turning one, we just moved house. I was in the middle of like hard training. I'm like, I probably shouldn't change anything. So I still, I cut out milk, but I was still doing cheese occasionally and eggs. Um, not that it's dairy, but I was still 100% vegan then. And yeah, I just basically started to gradually take things out and see how my body adapted. And then after Kona last year, they uh, Dotsy actually had like a, a seminar in Boulder that she invited me to um, where they had a professor in environmental studies come from CU, um, Dr. James Loomis, who's a vegan advocate, like very sports, sports doctor, very well renowned. He's won, a, I don't know anything about American sport, but he's won a Super Bowl ring. Well, he was the doctor for the Rams, I think. I could be making this up. Anyway, amazing guy. He spoke and Dotsie spoke and another plant-based um, um, runner spoke. And it was very interesting about to hear from the professor about the environmental impact of the dairy industry um, and the meat industry, and then hear from athletes. Like Dotsie, obviously, bronze medal in the team time trial at 2012 Olympics, I think, or eight, I can't remember now. Um, and uh, she did that purely plant-based. She'd eaten meat her whole life. She grew up in... Kentucky, I think, and like oh, she lived yeah. on a farm. Like they ate a lot of meat, but she did won the bronze medal. Pure, I had four years of going completely plant based, and um, and it was really interesting to hear from this doctor as well. And I was like, and just the community there it was like it was 150 people that turned up, and just it was amazing um, the support for this. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this 100 percent now and just see. I've got a couple more races. I think I had three more races that year to do. And 
I'm just going to see how I'm just going to do this for a while and just see how these next races go. Like they're not big races, but and I've started like just got to get over that hump. The first two three weeks, I'm like, ah, what am I going to eat? I'm like, <laughs> I ended up like eating the same thing every day, like for lunch, because I just just busy and just couldn't get my Wait, head around. You're just you're not. I want to just say this message to everyone: like, you're not good at it at first. Mm. You're not good. We were not good at it the first year. We kept we eating, eating veggie just burgers, a lot of veggie of burgers, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, like constantly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's what I was doing for lunch. I was putting them in a wrap with hummus, so I was a little bit more creative. But like, <laughs> mind blown. Yeah, like, yeah, you're really not thinking outside the box there. Um, but you get better at it. Yeah, and my wife's, I mean, she's she she eats vegetarian, but she like she's not. She's always eating meat, but I don't think I can't remember the last time. So, how did these races go? Amazing, like, uh, yeah. Oh, and Indian Wells, I think you were at Indian Wells, Yeah, I was Wells, second, right? a yeah. second Indian Wells, came off the bike with Lionel, ran the first three miles with him, and then he, yeah, got away. Like, he had 20 seconds on me halfway through the run, but I was like, that felt different. Like, I just felt great. And previous to that, I, I was um, third in Waco 70.3, 45 seconds, I think, behind the win, uh, and then backed up the following weekend and got third in Los Cabos. I'm like, okay, hmm. that's pretty good. Like, this is better. Th- and my numbers on the bike were better. I just felt... What yeah. about recovery? Oh, like, there's no way I can do back-to-back halves, fly to Mexico and... And this is at the end of a season. This is at the end of the oh, year. Oh, I'd been right. I'd done three Ironmans. I hadn't finished one of them, but, like, I was Which exhausted. is something you don't normally do. You don't... You don't. No. <laughs> like, so I'd done two and three-quarter Ironmans, um... <laughs> I don't know how many 70.3s, like six and now or something. you're hitting it at the end of the year in December. Yeah, or December 12th or something. And I'm like, what? This is weird. Why am I racing in December? I'm normally like a little chubby by now. And like, I just felt great. Ran a 113 off the bike, like felt. And I was like, okay. And so haven't looked back. And, and then I started to notice like, okay, what body change? My digestive system just felt better. I just, it was just a cleaner way to eat. And I... As I said, I've got a twelve, a two month, two two year old son. Most of the time, he sleeps through the night, but I'm not sleeping as much as I used to. I don't get to nap anymore. I just, like, I'm not getting as much sleep, but my quality of sleep has definitely improved. Uh, I wake up and yeah, the three step test. I like, I'm not sore first thing in the morning. Like, I can do a really hard quality run, like a ninety minute run with thirty minutes of hard hill running and running back down the hill and my legs are fine the next day. Like I'm doing high quality efforts on the bike and, and they're the, they're the things I'm noticing now when I've actually get a second to just take a step back and look and it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, but my body just, dairy is an easy option cause it's there and it's how we grew up. I grew up, yeah, you should drink like three glasses of milk a day. I don't know, but like I used to drink a lot of milk and cheese and yeah. And I'm like, how did I do that? You have a great, um, page on your website where you've got the veggie blog and you have like what your old diet used to be and what your new diet is. And I was looking at it last night and I was, I was literally kind of getting like a little sick to my stomach when I was reading the old diet. And then I'd be like, Oh, the new diet. Yeah, oh, that yeah. sounds good. And then the old diet, oh. yeah. and then the new diet and, and just the vibrancy of the food. It's yeah. like, it just, it just was like starting to make me hungry. Like it, it's, you know, eating this, this high vibrational food and you know, we're yogi triathlete. So we, we come at a lot of this from, um, living a lifestyle of yoga and mm-hmm. living the elements of yoga. And 
you know, in, in yogic philosophy, there's three energies that are always in play in this world. And, um, and one of those is the sattvic energy and they ca- they're called the gunas, the three gunas. Mm-hmm. And we're subject to all of them. They're going to, they're going to flow in and out. Um, and I, as an athlete, I really watch them. One's like the, the um, lethargy that's called the tamastic. It's kind of like heavy. It's, and in mm-hmm. food, the tamastic food would be dead flesh, okay. would be, you know, rotting, rotting food, which is essentially what meat is when you're eating mm. it, yeah, right? I know, because yeah. that's what the, that's, that's what my mom used to tell me. And that definitely yeah. made me. Yeah. But that's what it is, right? She still says it. It's, it's bot- hilarious. And she's gone vegan now as well. She's actually, yeah. Oh, yeah, And my mom. dad now is like, oh, and now he, yeah, he thinks it's a great idea. And he's been <laughs> lifelong so vegetarian great. as well, but... I'm like, yeah. And then the um, then there's the rajastic, which is like kind of like the caffeine, like we're having coffee. Like it mm. kind of gives you a little pow, but yeah. maybe on the other side, man, you get a little bit, of, you pay for it a little bit. And then there's the sattvic food, which is the high vibrational. It's it's health promoting. Yeah. And that's always uh, plants, whole foods, mm-hmm. things like that. And so, um, and you can just see it when you're looking at this old diet, new diet. I can see those energies in the food. You know, and that's the thing we hear the most from athletes like yourself, BJ and I. So all different levels, Rich Roll, mm-hmm. um, Scott Jurek, all those guys. It's it's the recovery is like where we feel the biggest bang. And I'll never forget like that first Ironman I did on a plant-based diet. And the next day I'm like, why am I not like g- limping around and holding on to the wall? Yeah, yeah. Like didn't I go was, hard enough, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I need a new coach. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is. It's it's a. It takes a little bit for you to realize. You're like, hang on. I used to not be able to like think about like moving after an Ironman or a seventy point three, and, and being like, able hang to. Hang on, like, I can I could run today. Yeah. yeah like, exactly. And knowing yeah. that. And so we know that Lionel went plant-based and <laughs> he kind of, and I know you're friends with him, um, kind of pinged back and forth and all of that. So when he was plant-based, because he's super passionate. So when he went plant-based, was he like, Joe, this, that, you got to, you got to read this and all of that. And then he's kind of bounced back out. Yeah. Okay? He's, yeah. Well, that's sort of, yeah. How he is a little bit, he's all, all or nothing. And, um, yeah, I, he's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to say. Like, yeah, he, I think he said he went vegan after 70.3 Montrant Blanc he lost I think it did, I think 14, he was 13 pounds like 10 pounds or oh something my God. like that <laughs> that's a lot but yeah like I think he's oversimplifying a little bit that the vegan diet didn't work for him when you lose 10 pounds and you actually try and lose more weight leading to a race because you think you've put on weight because you're carbohydrate loading He's changed his training. He's changed his bike fit. It's, yeah. And I've talked to him about this. And I said, look, best thing you can do, like, yep. I, I said, he said, you're not going to be happy with it, me now, Joe. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm eating meat again. And his wife's still vegan, which is great. Yay! Like, yeah, she, and yeah, she's, she, she, I think she does most of the cooking. And I said, look, just try and like do one day a week and just see how your body is. And then if that works, good, do two. Just try and gradually incorporate it. Just, try and gradually um, implement it back into your diet. Because he's like, he felt better. But he, I think, got to the point where he changed maybe too many things and he needed to go back to like just changing one thing at a time. And the easiest thing to go go back to was eating meat, riding the same size bike frame. I don't know. Like he just moved too many Mm -hmm. things and he didn't know what what had happened from going in sex so close to winning Kona the year before to not even finishing the top 20. Um, yeah, and the, I think, I honestly think you'll get back to being plant-based. Like he, he genuinely, he doesn't, 
want to eat animals. He feels guilty. He feels bad about it. But yeah, he also wants to win Kona and he's still figuring out what is the missing bit. Well, I think I think part of the missing bit is the word you use, which is gradual. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like an all or nothing person. He doesn't know that. Gradual's like, that's, what? He doesn't know, yeah. But perhaps that's something he's here to learn. And, uh, and I, I kind of think that that's the secret to his uh, success in the future is whatever it is, making it gradual. And yes, he's so calculated, but the jumps that he makes are just massive so if you are Lion, Lionel's coach what, what would you what would you have him tweaking in his physical training oh his physical well, that's a good question I only know what he's doing from his YouTube videos which are very entertaining <laughs> um I, I his physical training I think he's on the right track with going back to high intensity training um I think I, I don't I don't Love the fact that he's done all this work on a road bike and now he's just jumped onto back onto a TT bike in a pretty aggressive position. It's a pretty, it's hard to adapt. I think it's great to do road bike stuff. Um, I know Sebastian Kinlay does a lot of his riding on a road bike, but Lionel's doing all this quality stuff on a road bike and then now it's race time, so I've got to ride the TT. So, and he's injured right now, which. We'll see how he handles that. That's going to be really interesting because he's never really been injured. Mm. Even though he, he would be the first to say he doesn't have the best biomechanics on the run, he's so strong that he's just been able to get through it. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like Until he races again, we I don't really know. He he definitely was back to the old line or Indian Wells. Like, he was really happy. His power was, like like, a really good really good numbers and yeah off limited training he ran well and that was really good after he was in he had a lot of fatigue in Kona I think he was a little bit in a hole so to pull him out of out of that and then do what he did in Indian Wells um he's definitely back on the right track yeah yeah I think that's a really big that's a really great piece of advice though for people listening to it's like you know that TT bike those that position from a road bike is it's significant and so it's it's getting in that tt position especially for ironman distance like you're going to be in that position and for getting comfortable time. there so even if you're on yeah. your tt bike um you know and I'm speaking specifically to age groupers and you're up you know it's like get into that position and get comfortable there for and sure. if it's not comfortable then you know get a look at your bike fit yeah one of the things when I was, we were traveling cross country, we st- I stopped in Boulder for a fit with Ivan. Okay, yeah. And I was having lower back pain when I would, like halfway through the bike. And it, what we concluded from the whole thing was I was riding the trainer and I was getting comfortable riding the trainer for a long time, sitting back, not in my normal TT position. Mm-hmm. So then when I got to race day, I'd be like getting arrow and pushing the watts and racing and it would irritate. Yeah, you probably pull yourself forward on your saddle. Exactly. Like you just, yeah, you, it's a different. It's, yeah. Um, you got to be aware of those things. And, and it's easy to, like, my, my bike fitter is actually Matt Steinmetz, who's also yeah, out of Boulder. Yeah. And he's like, well, if you're not going to ride your aero bars in the bike, just ride your road bike because it's just, it's not how I fit you. It's not, I fit you to ride in this position. So if you're not going to ride that at least 80% of your ride, right. then just ride your road bike. Right. So that's that's what I do. Yeah. Um, but I, any quality stuff I do on the TT bike because you've got to be, relaxed and comfortable and be able to push power in an aero position and not say that for race day to show up and go oh yeah these are the watts i can push yeah and it's or, completely and I, I i'm guilty of it myself like this time last year i was struggling a little bit and i so you can always 
get more power if you do certain things. Like I was doing a lot of my efforts on a hill, not on the bars. And I could push what I thought was good power, but then put me on the flat and it was awful. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm. because I was a little overtrained, I was tired, I just had a lot going on. And, but I was trying to give myself a confidence boost by, I'd just go to the hills. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm riding pretty well. And then I came to Oceanside last year. It was dreadful. I was just like, <laughs> put me in the bars and I was like, yeah, I can't push any power in this. And it took me a good two months to get, get it back together. Um, so you're still learning. Oh, that's the thing. Like, and people at this point in your career, you, you try different things, I think. And there's a lot of guys that at, around my age that are just trying to have that one last shot at winning Kona or winning a big Ironman. And they're willing to take a few little risks now which i don't know it's it's tough I, yeah i did last year and it backfired horrendously it was not i tried to get a little bit more aero and yeah in the end i just came back to a position i can hold in and push good power and it's maybe not the most aero position but if you can't turn the pedals then it's it's no point being aero right and so you know you've got some serious street cred in this in this um in this sport you've been a triathlete like you said since you were 12 <laughs> and um and you're 37 and so you've got a lot of longevity and um what do you think what's the key to longevity i mean you're taking risks you're you're succeeding you're failing and all of that but what's the key you think to to longevity just enjoying it like you've got to if I didn't enjoy it, it's a tough sport if you're not enjoying what you're doing. So, uh, yeah, and just looking after your body. Like, if training's good when you're not having any pain. So, if you can stay injury-free and healthy and be consistent, that's huge. Yeah, running with a little niggle, it takes the enjoyment out of it straight away. It's just not fun. So, yeah, looking after your body, especially as you get older, is huge. So, that means getting in the gym, doing your strength work, maintaining your flexibility, getting regular body work yeah it's way more than swim bike run oh it is that's the thing like you got to do that but to be able to do that properly you need to do all the other little things so it's it's a full-time job and i yeah i scratch my head on how how age groupers work full-time have a family and and still do this and, and that's where it comes down to like yeah maybe i'd rather an age grouper do like 12 hours a week of swim bike run and maybe three hours of other stuff that allows them to get more out of those 12 hours um, than try and then skip that and try and I've got to do 20 hours of training this week 20 hours of what like it's probably going to be junk right I think there's a there's a big deprogramming that needs to happen around like more is always better yeah and so that's why I love having people like you on here who uh, have been in the sport for so long and and can reinforce that that you know trust Mm -hmm. and yeah you are going to take risks and yeah you got to be willing to fail sometimes but that it's not just swim bike run you know and do it for the love of it do it because you love it you know especially age groupers they're not getting paid to do this Mm -hmm. they're paying a lot of money to do it and some of them are working jobs that maybe don't fill them up but those jobs allow them to do what yeah, they love. For sure. And yeah. so staying in that gratitude, I think, is really key. Definitely. Yeah, so agree. what's the best way for people to follow you? Where are you most active? Um, probably Instagram. I'm just about to launch my new website, which is Joe Gambles Racing. Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's all just Joe Gambles. Um, so pretty easy to find. But yeah, I'm just about to launch this website, as I mentioned. Um, we're going to start doing some more coaching 
make programs available online uh, and open to taking on a few more athletes. Um, it's just trying to find the balance right now. I currently have two professionals and two age groupers and yeah, right now that's works well with still racing and a family and stuff, but I definitely, over the next few years, I want to race still at the top level for the next three, four years and, and then transition into full-time coaching and, yeah, I'll have a squad in, in Boulder and maybe camps in Australia and Hawaii and, and, and do online coaching as well. So, yeah. Sounds like a pretty good vision. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> awesome. Well, I know you have a vegan brunch to prepare I do, for. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, right. Joe. Joe, so awesome. Much. Thank okay. you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.